Good afternoon. If you would be open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6. <clears throat> we'll go there in just a few minutes to kind of set the basis of our lesson. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not sure how this is going to go. Uh, earlier today I took Journey to ball practice and uh, was sitting there watching softball practice and I thought I'm going to go, I told a buddy of mine that I was going to sit in the car for a little bit and study my lesson. So I backed the car up to where I could see practice and got the air conditioner set, started studying, and I woke up 25 minutes later. So <laughs> my buddy come and knocked on the glass and he said, boy, if you can't stay awake, he said, they sure ain't going to. So I'm not sure how this is going to go. But uh, besides that, it's a, it's been a, a good Lord's Day. It's been a beautiful day outside and what better way to close it than a, a few minutes in God's Word. That's what I... Uh, plan to do this afternoon is take just a few minutes of our time to, to go into Scripture. Second, Second Kings chapter 6, we find here that there's a, a man of God by the name of Elisha. And here in, uh, he's, he's battling Syria around verses uh, 13 through 14. We're going to find that uh, the king of Syria is trying to take over Elisha. So he sends out, in verse 14, horses, chariots, a great army, a great host to surround the city. Verse 15, we find a servant of Elisha who wakes up and he sees this great host, this great army surrounding him. He's worried. He asks Elisha, you know, what are we going to do? What shall we do? And let's pick up in verse 15, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. It said, when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host encompassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And in verse 16, he says, And he answered, Fear not, for they that are with us are more than they that be with them. And in verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Round about Elisha. You don't have to search very far into Scripture to find verses about blindness. You know, right from the get-go in Genesis chapter 25, we find the story of Isaac and Jacob and Esau. And remember in that story, it talks about Isaac's eyesight had failed him in his older age. So that's how they were able to, to trick him because he was having to feel his way through it. The apostles and Jesus in the New Testament, we find many different stories and occasions where they healed blindness. Uh, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. Mark chapter 8, verse 25 was two of them. But for several different stories where they healed blindness. You know, physical blindness was a, an issue back then and remains an issue today. You know, people today can't see. You look over the audience, there's a lot of people with glasses on. There's probably a lot of people with contacts in. We see surgeries today with lasers trying to fix eyesight. We even see stories, if you haven't, of eye transplants, where people who have never seen get other people's eyes and can see. I mean, we've come a long ways. But that's not the blindness that we're here to talk about tonight. We're here to talk about the kind that we find in Psalms and in Proverbs the you know, words of wisdom of blindness. Uh, the kind of blindness that Isaiah and prophet Zephaniah talked about where the blindness of the people had caused them to disobey God. Uh, go to 1 John chapter 2. 
beginning in verse 10. It says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hates his brother is in darkness, and walks in darkness, and knows not the, where he goes, because that darkness has blinded his eyes. Second Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 4. It says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine into them. That's the kind of blindness we're talking about tonight. The kind of blindness where a person can actually see 20-20 vision, but can't see their hand in front of their face. That kind of blindness. Where our physical side is perfect, but we're blind as a bat. That's the kind of blindness that we're talking about tonight. Spiritual blindness, you know, it's a real issue, it's a big issue, and it's a dangerous issue. It's something that, you know, blocks our way to clearly see how we're supposed to serve God and clearly see the way we're supposed to live. Sometimes we just need to have our eyes opened. And we pray to the Lord to open our eyes. Jesus' statement about blindness in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 14, was so strong then and remains so powerful today. Whether you're talking about physical blindness, spiritual blindness, these words to me just, it's, I can imagine how they were took back then and still how they ring today. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 14, if the blind lead the blind, they both go in the ditch. That's just, to me that's simple, but it's powerful. Today, tonight, I have uh, just five quick points to help us to see clearly. These are not rocket science. These things are not new. These things are simply for Mitchell. These are things that I need to work on, things that I've thought of that help me, and I hope as I present them they will help you. But this is not anything new. We've heard these. The first thing, this is some things that we need to have our eyes reopened to because the world we live in, it's easy to become blinded, to become distracted, to get tunnel vision and not see clearly the things that we need to be doing to to, to serve God to the fullest. <clears throat> the first one is we need our eyes open to how blessed we are. If I ask the question, I think of one person in the room and they're not here today, but how many of us walked to service tonight? Anybody walked to service? If Danny was here, he could raise his hand because I've seen him walk to service quite often. Nobody walked here. We all drove in pretty nice vehicles. We're about to leave, drive home to pretty comfortable homes. How many of us had pretty good meals today? Probably everybody in the room could raise their hand. We are blessed far more than what we deserve, what we're worthy of. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, Philippians 4 and 19, both these verses tell us that God is the one who blesses That God is the one that freely gives us all things and that in Him and through Him, we are blessed. But the problem is, with humans, is we tend to focus on the one thing that we don't have instead of remembering all the things that we do have. And that... That's dangerous. We have to learn to be happy with what we have. The word there is actually content. Everybody knows where I'm going with this. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. 
Paul writes about this very thing. Philippians 4 and 11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therein to be content. I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound, and everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Contentment. Being happy with whatever situation we're in. That's the attitude that we're to put on. The key word there I think that we overlook is in verse 11 where he says, I have learned. This attitude, this characteristic, this trade is not something that we're just going to have. This is something that we have to work at, have to develop, have to happen to grow. It's something, as Luke talked about this morning, as parents, we have to teach at a very young age how to be happy with what we have. i got an example here that I didn't even tell Jackson I was going to talk about him, but I'm going to talk about him. But an example of how this starts at a young age, and then i got an example of how this can very easily come into my life. But uh, I'm about to say a word that parents are either going to just cringe when you hear it, and kids are going to light up. But it's the word Fortnite. If you don't know what that is, it's a video game that overtook the world right now. And the guys that made it, they're genius. The game is free, but everything inside the game, you have to pay for. So each, like 24 to 48 hours, they drop a new character, and I mean, it's like clockwork, and they're, they know how to, to do it. And so about every 24 to 48 hours, Jackson comes up and says, hey, they just dropped a new character, and I need him. And I'm like, Jackson, you got like 65 other ones, you know, you just bought one, be happy with that one. But yeah, but this is the new one. And so we have this battle, you know, just me and him, a lot. But the problem is, is when it slowly creeps into to our thinking as adults. If you haven't figured out yet, you know, through my teaching and my preaching, being here, I'm a 35-year-old kid. I play video games, I have comic book collections, and I collect Hot Wheels and die-cast cars and... One of them that I collect is a 1970 Ford Escort. And just like the Fortnite guys, the Hot Wheel guys, they know how to do it. They drop a new one every few weeks. New paint scheme, new decals. And Where I got like 17 1970 Ford Escorts was going through Walmart two weeks ago, and there it was, the one that I don't have. And so I picked it up, and I was like, you know, I don't have this. Jackson says... Well, you got one just like it. I'm like, yeah, but I don't have this one. And here we go. And, you know, that, yeah, that's Hot Wheels and it costs 94 cents. And yes, I did buy it and it's in my collection now. <laughs> but you see how easily that becomes part of our life. And how as adults and as children, as grown-ups, as older people, it doesn't matter when we see things that entice us that we want. We forget about everything that we have, and that becomes the focus. And that's so easy to to mess up, and it's something that we have to work at. It's something that we have to, to try to develop to get this contentment. <clears throat> and that brings us to the the second point there, is we're just people that are all about stuff. You know, we want stuff, and we need stuff. But we got to learn and have our eyes open to what's really important. And I'll, 
add this in here is there's nothing wrong with with stuff. You know, it's, there's nothing wrong in it. The, the wrong and the problem is is when the stuff that should be down here starts to work its way up and cloud our vision and start messing up our priorities and we start worrying more about the stuff than we are what's really important. Matthew six thirty three, Luke mentioned it this morning about our priorities. Seek God first and all these things shall be added into you. That's that's number one, seeking God first. I've been uh I'm not sure the right word, but I guess honored to be a pallbearer in several funerals. The last one was our grandmother a couple months ago, but it always, when I do that, I think about one thing. You know, in different occasions, different funerals, the casket's different, the person's different, the ceremony's different, all those things are different, but there's one thing that always remains the same. As a pallbearer, we have never buried anything with any of these people. None of that stuff at that point matters anymore. You never see anybody pull somebody out of a casket and then behind them pull some kind of treasure box full of materials. It, it don't matter. That's not what it's, that's what's not important at that time. <clears throat> we need our eyes open to the fact that stuff simply don't matter. What really matters is the things that's found like in Psalms 119 and verse 18 where it says, Lord, open our eyes to your law, to your word. That's the things that's important. The things like in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 9 where there's a list of attitudes and characteristics there that we're to put on. You know, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, temperance brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness love. And then there it goes, it's, if you have these things, you'll be fruitful. And then he says, if you don't have these things, you're blind. and You can't see afar off. Those are the kind of things that we see are really important. We see that worship and Bible class and prayer and study time, service to others, that those things are what matters. We'll see sin for what it truly is. We will not be blinded by its deceitfulness and its trickery. But we'll see that... Satan and sin is trying to overtake and we can battle it because we'll see clearly what it is, that it's a violation of God's will and that it's the wages is is death. Romans tells us that. When our eyes are open to what's important, it will help us to see point number three here a little better and that's the opportunities. Josh talked last week about... uh, being having a uh, evangelistic mindset, and uh, for those that were in the class last week, yeah, last week, Glenn mentioned something in a comment about outcome and opportunity. He said a lot of times we focus on the outcome of things and we forget about the opportunities to reach that. And when he said it, it just hit me and stuck with me all that day and has all week that. We focus and we pray for certain outcomes over and over, and we want that outcome, and we think about that outcome, and we want to reach that outcome, but we forget about the opportunities to, to get there. We kind of pass it. We want the paycheck, but we don't want to do the work. <clears throat> it's easy for us today to, to get blinded, to get distracted, to get, you know, blinders on, tunnel vision, and see you know, work, school, recreation, all these things, our, our lives are hectic. And we pass over these opportunities that 
happen not you know, monthly or weekly, but opportunities that happen every single day in the workplace, in the home, in school. You know, as, as Luke preached on this morning, are opportunities to, uh, to teach our children, to, to edify each other. All those opportunities to teach our neighbors, our families, our friends, the opportunities for individual growth. Those things happen every day. But we can't be blinded to them. We have to be able to, to see them. You know, Jesus and uh, Paul, Peter, the other apostles, you know, these opportunities are not always in the easiest of situations. Sometimes they're in difficult situations. And we see that all throughout, you know, the New Testament, the Gospels there, where these men was not always in the best scenarios, the best of situations. But man, did they not take those opportunities and do good with them and use them as opportunities to do good. And I always think, I, I think the lesson before last that I preached was on Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were in prison. But, you know, that there shows no matter what situation you're in, these guys were in prison, they were fasted in chains. And the end result was the Philippian jailer and his household were baptized. Why? Because of opportunity to do good. But we can't be blinded. We have to have our eyes open. And we have to pray that the Lord would open us up to these opportunities. As I said earlier, you know, that that mindset of wanting the paycheck but not wanting to do the work. Several years ago when I was working in a steel mill in Birmingham, I had an individual that I went to and... uh Told him I had a spot open and I wanted him to take it. It was going to be a little more responsibility, a little more work. But you know, I told him, you know, a couple months on the job, you get it understood, get going good, you know, we'll give you a pay raise. His reaction was, how about you give me the pay raise now and I'll learn how to do the job. And I said, well, how about you learn how to do the job and I'll give you the pay raise. And he said, well, why don't you give me the pay raise and I'll learn to do the job. So we'd done this for a few minutes and eventually he never took the job, but that's that's the mindset of a lot of the world. And that can be the mindset of our Christian walk too, is we want that outcome, but we don't want to put forth the work. I'm sorry, but that's not how it works in physical life, and that's not how it works in spiritual life. If we want that outcome, then we got to look for the opportunity, we got to take hold of the opportunity, and we got to go to work. That's the only way that we're going to, to do that. And I think that leads us to our next point that... We're going to be a little more willing to take advantage of opportunities when our eyes are open to how precious time really is. I mean, think about it, it's, it's already almost April. I honestly feel that just a few weeks ago we were up here preaching a gospel meeting and that was the beginning of January. And here we are starting four months later. I don't have to stand up here and tell you how time really flies. James tells us that in the book of James when he says life is like a vapor. Have you ever really thought about how fast, there's a fly, how fast a vapor moves? You see it, if you watch water boil, it just comes up and it's gone. And you really don't think about that verse, I know I have it, and until you get older and older and then you realize, man, this is true. You know, journeys be 14 this year. That's, that's crazy how fast time really moves. We think we are indestructible. I know there's a group sitting over there 
part of the way back that thinks they are young, they are indestructible, that they got all the time in the world. Guys, that ain't true. That's not that's not the truth. We're not guaranteed another day. We're not guaranteed another minute. And when we realize that point, all the other things start to fall right into place. When we realize and our eyes are open to the point that, and to the fact that we don't have much time, then we start to count our blessings. We start to prioritize our lives. We start to realize that all that stuff is just junk and just clutter. We start to realize that the opportunities to teach and to be an example and to do good, those things are passing quick. When we realize just how quick time is, all these other things just kind of take care of themselves. And we start to, you know, look through different vision of what's important and how to please God. <clears throat> Muhammad Ali, you know, I think I mentioned him a few times in some of my stuff, but he had tons of great quotes. You know, the famous is the float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. The world ain't never seen nothing like me. That kind of stuff was just, it was just great. But he did say, you know, a lot of it was prideful and boastful and as good of a boxer as he was, you know, he he knew it. But he did have a few that were very powerful that wasn't boastful and prideful. And he had one that said, if we live every day like it's our last, eventually we'll be right. And when you think about that for just a second, if you live every day as it's your last, eventually you're going to be right. And if you would take that, if I would take that, if we would take that mindset into all of our thinking, how would it change things? If we lived today like it was our last, what kind of things are we going to do? Is that this stuff really going to matter? Is those hot wheels really going to matter? I mean, yeah, they're cool to, to come into my garage and see you know, four or five hundred little cars, it's cool talking about it, but does it really matter? If today was our last day, is that what I'm going to focus on, trying to gather up the last of those Hot Wheels? No. I'm going to spend the last day trying to teach and trying to, to bring people to Christ and to try to make sure that my life is where it needs to be and that I'm, you know, clearly seeing what's, what's important. Those are the kind of things that are going to matter if this was our last day. And that quote to me is, is so very powerful. A lot of plans and good intentions never come to fruition because of, not because of bad plans or bad intentions, but because people just run out of time. People intend to do things and going to do it and I'm going to do it and, you know, we're going to do it, but it never happens because we don't realize how precious time really is. And that leads me to uh, the last point. If you go back to the uh, scripture there in Second Kings, you remember the servant there. He had become blind of things. You know, I don't believe it was a physical blindness. I don't know why he really couldn't see the armies of God. Maybe it was fear, lack of faith. Uh, maybe they hadn't revealed themselves to everybody, but Elisha at this point. I don't know, but we know he couldn't see. He couldn't see the, the power of God. He couldn't see the, you know, the armies of God. He couldn't realize that after his eyes was open that God was with him. We need our eyes open 
to the true living power of, of our God. You know, we've done talked about how busy our worlds are and, you know, how hectic they are with the things that we do, so much going on, and, you know, there's sin, there's darkness all around us, and, you know, we feel sometimes that it's easy to get discouraged, it's easy to get down, to think of giving up, but let's not ever grow blind to, to the God that we serve. You know, uh, Romans 8 and verse 31 says, If God is with us, who can be against us? That's That should be our daily motto. When we wake up in the mornings, that ought to be posted somewhere that if God is with us, can't nobody be against us. You know, we can uh, rest assured that we can overcome temptation, that we can defeat sin, that we can stand for the truth, that we can stand for you know, what's right, and we can do all this in confidence because our God is the God. The one that we serve is the true and living God. And let us not ever grow blind to, to how big He truly is and that He's bigger than anything we face. So when we feel that we can't do it, we can't. But with God, we can accomplish all things. And there's a song in uh, the book, number 537, Open our eyes, Lord. And uh, we don't sing it very often here, but the whole theme of that song is opening our eyes to, to see Jesus and to see what He's done for us. You think about that, that Jesus left His home in heaven, that He gave up sitting on the right hand of God to, to come home, to, to come to this earth, to, to put on flesh, to walk as a man, to be tempted, eventually to be made fun of, to be spit on, to be hit, to be abused, and then ultimately to be sacrificed for our sins. It's my prayer that we never grow blind to that sacrifice. You know, we try to find uh, hope, and we try to find peace, and we try to find joy in, in all these things. Material things, popularity, money, fame, fortune. We search and try to get happiness out of those things, and it's always going to fall short. We have to have our eyes open to the fact that true happiness, true assurance, true hope, true joy, and true salvation are only found in one place, and that's in Jesus Christ. And that's what that song talks about, opening our eyes that, that we can see Jesus. And that we want to be like Jesus. That's the ultimate goal of our life. If you're here and you've never obeyed the gospel, you know, think about the points already mentioned. What's truly important? If you're here and you've never obeyed the gospel, don't be blinded by the fact that you think you have all the time in the world. Because you may not. You're not guaranteed another, uh, another minute, another second. Think back to that quote. If today was your last day, what would you do if you've never obeyed the gospel? Would you wait another minute? Would you put it off again? Or would you take heed of that opportunity that's before you that you can be baptized and become a father of God and have assurance and hope of heaven? What would you do if today was your last day? Because one day you're going to be right. It's going to be. If you're here and you never obeyed the gospel, please do so as we have the invitation. Or if you're here and you've been a child of God, and maybe through blindness or, you know,
things of the world has blinded you to where you can't clearly see the things that we need to be seeing to worship God the way we need to worship, and you need to make that right. You have an opportunity tonight. Take hold of those opportunities. Remember, to reach the outcome that we want, we have to seize the opportunity. If you're here, please come as we stand and as we sing.